Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz get it done. They get the win. Another road win. The streak continues. They haven't lost since, well, since they lost that game to Orlando. That was a long time ago. They got a nice stretch going here. Pick up another win on the road. And they beat the Nuggets, 115-109. Jokic goes off because... He's a joker, and he's really good. <laughs> 26 points, 21 rebounds. He had his, uh, I think, 11 assists. Uh, he had his triple-double. Um, but the Jazz get the win, and they do it without Rudy Gobert. So you're missing one of your two big stars. You're missing his backup, uh, Hassan Whiteside, and you're missing another rotation guy in Joe Ingles. Ingles was out. COVID protocols. Uh, Rudy's sick, but it's a non-COVID issue. And uh, Hassan Whiteside, well, he's had a concussion for a few games now ever since he got Hit across the uh, hit across the face, so Jazz are shorthanded. Jazz have to go to the small ball lineup. Jazz excel in the small ball lineup. Adoka Adoka has has to has to play, has to get the start, and he was all right. Uh, you'll hear Rudy Gay say, you know, he did his part. He contributed. Didn't get run off the floor. Gave him a few minutes, which is what they needed out of him. They needed a few minutes. Quinn started him. This is something that. Uh, you know, Jerry Sloan used to do. I think it's a basketball coaching trick, you know, one-on-one, that kind of stuff. Uh, if you have a guy who's young, inexperienced, going to be the weak link, play him in the minutes that have the, the least pressure and the least intensity. So he started him because guys are going to ease into the game in most cases. So if you can get four or five minutes out of him, great. So they did. And the small ball lineup played, played as well as we've seen it play. They didn't get punished too badly inside. They, they moved it. They scored well at the other end. Rudy Gay had 18 points off the bench. He had some threes. It was a night where uh, Donovan Mitchell and uh, Boyan did not shoot the three well. And with Rudy out of the lineup, or excuse me, with uh, Joe Ingles out of the lineup, that's, uh, you know, that's a lot of firepower, a lot of three-point shooting that isn't happening. And they didn't shoot it really well, which is okay because Denver shot it even worse. They were both low to mid-30s. Um, about 30% from the uh, three. Um, but what happened is Bogey went to the hole. And he went to the hole again and again and again and again. And he shot a bunch of free throws. And he ended up with 36 points. Had just a huge statistical game, which is great because they needed it. <laughs> they just didn't have to have any other guys going. And also, Bogey and Royce O'Neal, I mean, clearly the pregame message was with Rudy out, you two have to hit the glass hard. You got to hit it hard. And they both went out and boarded and got a lot of rebounds. So the rebounds were basically a push um, between the Nuggets and Jazz. And when you're playing a small lineup as the Jazz is, that's a win. You know, if you can just split the boards there, that is good enough. And it was. And they got the victory. So that was a nice road win. I mean, Denver's not great. They're a 500 team. And we can sit here and talk about how shorthanded the Jazz are. But the Nuggets are shorthanded night after night after night. After night, they're missing two of their top three scores. They got the Joker, and that's great, and he's the MVP, and he's their guy, and he's their ace. But they need Jamal Murray, and they don't have him. And they need Michael Porter Jr., and they don't have him. And those two guys combined, I think, have played nine games this year because Jamal Murray hasn't played, and I think Porter's number is nine games. So they, they have been very shorthanded for a long time. So they got their own issues, and they're a 500-ish team. Um, the Lakers, the Clippers— the Nuggets, and I'm leaving somebody else out. Somebody else is bouncing around 500, just kind of hanging out there and not really uh, taking Oh, I think it's Dallas. Uh, not really taking off. Basically, fifth through eighth. Um, and so wherever the Jazz finish, one, two, three, four, 
Right now, it looks like they'll draw a 500-ish team. Now we've still got the trade deadline and buyouts, and we'll probably see more teams gutted by injuries. So, but as it stands now, whether you're one, two, three, four, or the West, you know you can put five, five, six, seven, eight in a hat and just mix it up because those those teams just keep keep bouncing around between those spots. They're a game or two over 500. They're a game or two under. They just keep going back and forth. So, nice win for the Jazz, though, on the road as they beat Denver, and they're 2-0 and on this trip, and now they're headed to Toronto Friday and the Pacers Saturday, back-to-back. It wrapps up with Detroit on Monday. So, uh, back-to-back and then three games in four days to wrap this thing up. But, nice win for the Jazz. Um, you know, the flow of the game, it was tied after a quarter. The Jazz were... Uh, up, and then they were down there in the second quarter. They went to the locker room up by one at halftime. And then, as they often do, they took control in the third quarter. They came out. It was a great start to the third quarter. It was 57-56 at the half, and suddenly it was 70-60. to So right out of the locker room, 13-4 to run. The lead went up to 10. Denver never tied the game up or took the lead after that. They get it down to 6. The Jazz pushed it up to 10. They get it down to 7. The Jazz pushed it up to 10. They did get it down to 4. Uh, in the final minute, uh, the Jazz hit a couple free throws and win by six. So there you go. All right, there's the there's the headline from uh, last night as the Jazz get the win. Obviously, the RSL sale that news broke uh, yesterday. There's a press conference coming up at noon today. David Blitzer is buying the team, and Ryan Smith is in the deal as well. Um, it sounds like, and we'll get some more details today. But Blitzer is the majority owner, uh, but Ryan will have a minority stake in this. Um, Blitzer will be the 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 governor and Ryan will be the alternate governor. So probably tells you how things are going financially there. So you know how aggressive are they going to be um, in player acquisition? How much money they're going to spend there? How much money they want to spend in the stadium? The stadium's thirteen years old. There's definitely some things that could be done there. Um, could put some luxury suites. And some uh, some high end seating in the uh, in the north end there. Uh, they might go uh, safe standing there as well. Uh, there's a chance to put in some bunker suites like they did in the arena. Uh, I know Ryan uh, Smith, when this whole thing started about 16 months ago, was seen at the stadium and was touring the area precisely where the bunker suites would go. So I'm sure this has occurred to him. So press conference coming up today. That's uh, that's something to look forward to later today. We're going to take a break right now. we got the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up. But next, we're going to talk a little football with Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Stay with us. Let's bring in uh, Riley Jensen now, our college football insider. Riley, good morning. Hey, what's happening, guys? Well, transfer portal news. Which linebacker should you fans be excited about? The high school mega superstar? The guy we don't know about who Kyle and his staff are developing who will turn into an NFL guy? Or somebody who's transferring in from Florida who had 89 tackles and was second on the team? Does it does it have to be does it have to be one or the other? Can you not be excited about all of them? Uh, right, you got to play by his rules. Haven't you learned that by now? <laughs> I mean, I just I'm I'm looking at it going, man. This is a position where they have two really mega stars. I mean, at middle linebacker, and they always produce good defensive play. And they need depth, and they need players. And when when you bring in linebackers, it's not like you're, it's not like a quarterback where only one guy can play. I'll bet you that all three of these guys contribute in one way or another. And so I, I think if you're University of Utah, you're just you're just excited in general about portals, about 
great high school linebackers about anybody that's in the program right now because they're, you know they're going to be developed and you know they're going to play good football. And yet, how surprised were you that the Utes had a quarterback throw for over, over 500 yards against them in a Rose Bowl? Well, that, that was... That was difficult for me because I, I, and I tweeted out, and I was totally wrong, but I, I tweeted out that they were, that they were going to win this game because they were winning the line of scrimmage. This was like in the second quarter. And I've just always seen, you know, Coach Sharif Shah, Coach Morgan Scally, these guys be able to figure out some sort of an answer to what was going on. And look, they were way shorthanded at DB, and I think it was just too much. It was it was too hard for them to be able to overcome. Now, you can make excuses for Ohio State. You can make excuses for Utah. That was a really fun football game to watch. Other than I got a little bit of flashbacks to my dating life, like twelve years ago. I mean, that's kind of what I felt like that game was like. You know, you feel like you're doing great. You feel like you're winning. You feel like you have a chance, and then boom! Right at the last second, like you're you're not going to win. Oh, yeah, I so thought it, man. You were getting to the end zone a bunch. I did too. I thought, you know, I thought I was going to take it all the way across the goal line. But you know, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. But metaphorically speaking, is what I was talking about. Me too. <laughs> sure. That was a very predictable answer out of PK. You walked him into that. Sure, PK. I know. But you know, uh, that game, I, it, I know that there's been games like that for for other college football teams in the last five years. But man. That if you're a Utah fan, you had to have been feeling a myriad of emotions from, oh my gosh, we're going to dominate to this team, to, uh-oh, what happened, to, oh no, Cam Rising just got knocked out, to, oh, okay, this guy comes in, throws one of his first passes for a touchdown, to, oh man, we just didn't have enough to stop, you know, that, that passing game. But, man, you just got to give a lot of credit. The, the way the season started to the way the season finished for the University of Utah, it's like, the first of the year, you, you can barely even remember the, the losses to San Diego State and the difficult start that they had. So BYU and Utah are combined 14-1 and against the Pac-12. And they were 500 in their other games, and that includes beating a couple of big sky schools, one apiece. So how much do you think that the local schools have really got something going, are on top of the world, are really ready to build on this and look out, and how much is, well, the Pac-12 had a bunch of teams with quarterback issues, a bunch of teams with interim coaches, and it was a down year, and they did what good teams should do. They they beat teams having a down year, but don't get too worked up about it. Well, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't think any of us have really known what to expect out of Pac-12. But it seems like every year we're going, oh, well, it was a down year for the Pac-12. And now I'm just kind of going, well, is, is this just what the Pac-12 is? Now that's not to say that that you know BYU is going to go undefeated every year against the Pac-12, and and same with the Utes going, you know, what was it, six and one or something like that against the Pac-12. But I just wonder if maybe we put the Pac-12 on a pedestal. It's just a little higher than what it is. Maybe it's just a notch down from what we thought it was, and that and that there's going to be opportunities for you know good G5 teams, you know teams like BYU and and, and other teams to be able to compete against Pac-12 teams uh, going forward in the future. I, I mean, 
I just don't I don't see it changing. I mean, you know, they used to call it the wacky whack. I think it's the wacky Pac-12. It's just crazy. Every single year, I have no idea what to expect. You have Oregon beating Ohio State at the beginning of the year, and then they lose to Stanford midway through the year, and then they get blown out by Utah twice at the end of the year. I mean, it's just it's, – I have no idea how to get any consistency or to get a beat on any of these teams. Now, the one thing that I will say, and this is just – this is me thinking outside the box. I do feel like the NIL has a chance, and like I said, it has a chance to help teams like UCLA and USC to build up their programs because there's a lot of money down there. There's a lot of companies that are down there. And I actually feel like the Pac-12 could like maybe balance out the rest of the country if NIL really takes over. I mean, what if United Airlines comes in and gives a kid a $250,000 a year stipend, you know, to represent their airline there at USC? I mean, it's a possibility, right? And all of a sudden, you're getting guys from, you know, that are flipping from Florida State to, to Jacksonville State. There has to be something going on as far as the NIL. It can't just be because you love Deion Sanders, right? So I'm just feeling like there could be an evening up in the Pac-12, especially with all the money that is in Los Angeles. And and I don't think it hurts the University of Utah because that's not what they built their program on. But I think that it could help USC and UCLA to maybe start picking off some of these top talents or maybe just some of these top talents that, are, that, that were right there in L.A. that were going all over the country to, to play football. Okay, but then how does that affect somebody like Utah? They can... Can they cash in on it? Because that's the next level that they need to go is, all right, it's been cool to develop these guys, but how about you getting some big-time studs like a Thibodeau who are destined from the NFL probably since the sophomore high school? Well, I think, I think there's two ways to survive in, in today's environment. It's, and one is NIL and two is winning. And right now, Utah's winning. I mean, they're, every, everywhere you turn and everywhere you look – to me, it just keeps getting better and better and better. I mean, look, I have a whole bunch of I have a whole bunch of friends from the University of Utah football team from my era. So you're talking like '97 to like 2000, and some of those guys have turned frankly to me and they're like, "Dude, I don't." And these guys are starters. These guys are contributors to the University of Utah teams back then. And we're not talking about terrible football teams. We're talking about teams that went to bowl games and competed hard and. And, and and even won Mountain West Conference championships, or I can't remember if they were, no, they weren't whack back then, but Mountain West Conference championships. And they're looking at me and they're like, dude, I don't even know if I make this team. And, I, and they're positive they don't make the two deep. And so when you look at the University of Utah football team, and when you look at those guys get off the bus, I mean, this is a different level of athletes. It's no different than me at Utah State. When I look at the level of athletes that are at Utah State, it's completely different than when I was there. It's completely different. And and BYU, I think you could make the same argument as far as athleticism. Now, you can always make arguments for, like, whether the teams were better, whether they came to better together better, or, or how those things happened. But there is no question right now across the state of Utah – and you can take this down to even like Weber State and Snow College and some of these teams that are that are winning a ton of football games as well. It is a different type of athlete that is stepping off of those buses to play in games than it's ever been in the state of Utah. And it's really fun to watch. And it's exciting to follow. 
and these guys are freaking studs. They're they're freak athletes, and we're just going to see more and more and more players right now, especially in this in this little window where Utah State, BYU, and Utah can really take advantage of the seasons that they've had. Where where you're going to see guys coming out of those programs and playing in the NFL and playing in the NFL for a long time. So that talent difference you talk of, well, that's the difference between Ohio State beating Utah 64 to 6 or whatever it was back in the 80s and now playing a 48 45 game. But there's still a lot of heavy lifting to be done when you see that the Utes had 17 four star, four or five star athletes and Ohio State had 65. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, 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 it's never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it gets. Like, there's always going to be something that you can improve. But I think, I mean, I think that whole deal, and I saw that statistic, I don't know if it was tweeted out or whatever, but um, that, that's a real compliment to the coaching, the coaching staff at the University of Utah. These guys are developing people. They're not even close to the amount of players that are going to Ohio State, but they're still winning, and they're still going to Rose Bowls. And for all intents and purposes, those guys, they had Ohio State on the ropes. And, and – and, I, you know, as I was thinking about it this weekend, I mean, we've got to give a lot of credit to Andy Ludwig, too. I mean, look at the since he's been back in the program, and then even if you go back to when he was in the program before, I mean, all he does is produces quarterbacks. All he does is produce offense. All he does is produce – I mean, I, I know I joke around about this, but we ran him out of town after the Sugar Bowl, and he averaged like 447 yards offense and like 37 points a game. And people were like, ah, we just – you know, we got we got to find a new offensive guy. You know, and now he's back, and he's developing quarterbacks like Huntley. He's now found and gotten to Cam Rising and really taking advantage of his talents and the way that he can play. I mean, they're doing some really really cool things offensively. For whatever reason, there was injuries and they got kind of snake bit a little bit defensively. But I think I don't think there's any alarms going off as far as like the defense goes, and I. You know, I just see this team playing really, really well going into the future. It's a, it's a fun team to watch. I can tell you this. I look forward as, you know, not a Utah fan, but I look forward to, to watching a University of Utah football team this year more than I've ever liked watching them. And that's not to take away from some of the teams in the past that have been really good, but as an offensive guy, as somebody who likes to see the ball moved and, 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 a, and a guy who likes to see good defense as well, these University of Utah teams are fun to watch. You know, I'm, I'm definitely uh, for next year. I'm, I'm tuning in when Cam Rising is playing football. That's a fun quarterback to watch. What'd you make of that uh, Wyoming kid transferring the quarterback transferring to Utah State? Seems like their roster is a little stacked there. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, uh, Peasley went into the portal, then they pick up Wyoming kid. I mean, I. My, my brothers were telling me about this, and I didn't see it. I, I don't know if it was on TikTok or if it was on Twitter, but apparently apparently this quarterback has a girlfriend that's playing volleyball at Utah State, right? And then they were showing somebody else that transferred to Pitt. Oh, it was uh, it was the quarterback Clovis. from USC. Clovis. Yeah, Clovis transfers to, to USC because his girlfriend's at Pitt. And I, you, know, you start looking at this, and you're like, oh, Free agency is bringing people together. <laughs> they, they weaken knees, Riley. <laughs> they, you no, know, this is bringing people together, PK. They can they can have it all. They don't just have to have Division One scholarships. They can have their girlfriend and Division One scholarships. It's great. So the, the interesting <laughs> part about that transfer to me, though, is I mean, Bonner's still back. 
you're going from like starting at Wyoming to like you, you're going to watch for a year. That's interesting to me. I, that's an interesting mindset. That's an interesting thought. Of course, of course, Utah State is going to take as many quarterbacks as it can in that room because they know quarterbacks transfer. So if they can get one in that they think is worthwhile, yeah, of course you're going to take them. Right? Yeah, of course you're going to take them. Where so, is uh, I don't know this. Where does Cooper Legoff fit into all this? Well, I, I, I think he fits in. I mean, I think that's the other reason that it's a little bit of a head-scratcher with this, with this quarterback coming in. I mean, as a coach, look, you're always going to say, like, hey, we want that room to compete. We want Cooper Legault to compete for his job. We want this. We want that, right? And may the best man win. And, and then when, when those guys go and compete, whoever comes out as the, as the winner of that starting position, then, then you're happy with it. Um, it can't feel good, though, to play as good as you did as Cooper Lega, and then your, your coaches are bringing in somebody else. I mean, it's just like, okay, wait, where, where do I stand here? What, what, what's my role? I thought I, thought I kind of shored this up, you know? And so there'll be interesting conversations, but I think, you know, there's been some articles that I've been reading, too, like backup quarterbacks <laughs> – that that's going to be a really really hard thing in college football now, uh, because you're you're never safe, you're never safe with the portal. Like it used to be that if you were, you know, Robbie Bosco behind Steve Young or Steve Young behind Jim McMahon, you wait a couple years, you keep developing, you're going to be a really good quarterback, and you're going to go down in the annals of history at your school as a as a really great quarterback. Well, I don't know that that situation exists anymore. You could be a really, really good backup for a really, really good quarterback. You're doing everything that you're supposed to do. You're developing the way you're supposed to do. But then some guy from Central Florida who threw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns next year gets falls in love with your program and reaches out to your coaches and says, I want to transfer there. And then all of a sudden you're the backup for four years or you're in the portal the next thing you know. I mean, look, it's it, it's going to be tough for quarterbacks. You. You look at somebody like Jackson Dart, by, by, all, by all accounts, he played great football this year and had some amazing games this year for USC in a meaningless year for USC. Like the, He was out there competing and playing and making great plays for a team that wasn't really competing or making great plays anywhere around him. In fact, that last game of the year that he played against Cal where he got knocked out, I felt bad for him because – it's a meaningless game that they're making up, and half of the players aren't playing. There was, there was like three of his receivers that were like, well, I can't play more than four games or else I lose my red shirt, so I'm sitting out. There was guys that have already you know, said they're going into the draft. Well, now he's played a great year, and Caleb Williams is now in the portal, and he's taking a week off with his family to figure out where he's going to go to school. Well, well, guess what? The head coach at USC just had him last year at Oklahoma, and they threw for a bajillion yards and played awesome. So what are you going to do if you're Jackson Dart and Caleb Williams transfers in? Do you think that's a fair fight? Do you think, do you think that that's a, a place where you can like go, well, geez, man, I gave everything I could. I feel like I've won the locker room over. I feel like I've won my teammates over, but this new coach, if he brings in Caleb Williams, I mean, even if I did win the job, isn't it a short leash? Yeah. You know, so I, it's a tough. It's it's going to be a it's going to be a tougher position to play than it's ever been, because it's free agency without contracts. <laughs> you know, I mean, guy can transfer almost every year without any penalty. Yep. And so all of a sudden, it's like, 
how the freak do I develop into the quarterback I want to be? Really what we're going to see is just the only guys that play quarterback in college are the guys that are freaks coming out of high school that are already 6'4", 240, and are already completely developed. There's not going to be a lot of room for you know, a Baylor-Romney that develops into a really good quarterback at BYU. So it's 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 interesting. This whole this NIL, I think, is going to keep rocking our worlds for probably three to five years before we really get a grip on like what that whole picture looks like. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. There is our college football insider, Riley Jensen. When we come back, the best of the post game show is coming up next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Jazz win on the road. Again, they are playing great basketball on the road. They beat the Denver Nuggets. They do it shorthanded. Let's get to the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz have now won 10 consecutive road games. They beat the Denver Nuggets last night, 115-109. to The Jazz did not have the services of Rudy Gobert, who was out with a non-COVID-related illness. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, who's still dealing with concussion-like symptoms. And uh, Joe Ingles, who is in the COVID uh, protocols. Jazz missing three key players, including their two bigs, and uh, came away with win regardless. Udoka Azubuki got getting the start in place of uh, Rudy Gobert. His first kind of major minutes in the NBA coming back from an injury. Had to play 16 minutes and go up and guard the uh, reigning MVP of the NBA. That's a that's a tough one. We'll hear from Doka a little bit uh, later on. But the Jazz do come away with a win. Bogdanovich had a season-high 36 points, a season-high 13 rebounds. He also had four assists. Uh, Rudy Gay had 18 coming in off the bench. Donovan Mitchell was 17, but he took 20 22 shots, 8 of 22, not Donovan's best game. Um, let's see here. Royce O'Neal with a double-double, 13 points, 11 boards. Jordan Clarkson, 13, coming in off the bench. Mike Conley had uh, 10 points, 6 assists, and 4 rebounds in the win. Uh, Nikola Jokic uh, had a triple-double for the Nuggets, 26 points, 21 rebounds, and 11 assists. But considering no Rudy or Whiteside, uh, you, know, you would assume the Jazz would take uh, that performance from Jokic, particularly the uh, the 26 points, limited to 26 points. And, of course, he's very good. Uh, but let's get some post-game sound. Let's start things off with uh, Jazz head Coach Quinn Snyder. Hey, Coach. Um, what was the, the the thing that you were most impressive with tonight from your performance? Um, I, I thought there there were just a lot of a lot of good things. Um, you know, beginning with Doak. You know, finding out uh, just today that we wouldn't have either Rudy or Hassan. And for him to come in and his first NBA start um, to play against, you know, arguably the best player in the world right now. Um, And, you know, I thought the minutes that he gave us were just really important minutes, um, you know, particularly at the beginning of the game. But then again, you know, during the course of the game. Um, you know, because we were, we were thin <laughs> at that position. So um, I thought, you know, Boyan's re- really settled us, um, scored a lot of different ways for him to have. I don't know how many he had tonight. I think 34. I can't put my glasses on um, and only hit one three. You know, it says a lot about his efficiency. Um, you know, Royce and Boyan both with double figure rebounds. Um, you know, that's something that, that we've, we've talked about and without, you know, Rudy or Hassan out there again, 
um, for those guys to step up and, and rebound like that was was obviously really, really important. And then, you know, lastly, to turn the ball over seven times. You know, I, I think, you know, we've talked a lot uh, about the possession game and that, you know, even when you don't shoot well, you know, we're 14 of 41 from three. Um, you take care of the ball and rebound the ball um, and try to defend and, you know, and good things can happen. Jared Todd? Quinn, as far as Winstow, like you said, you were really, really short and thin tonight. And I've, I'm wondering where this sort of ranks um, for this season. I mean, for the guys to be able to like come together and put together this win uh, without so many of the key guys uh, on the court. Well, it, it's hard to, to rank. Um, it feels like the, the, the biggest win right at this moment. You know, I, I think it's certainly the most unique game that, that, that we've won this year. And I think, you know, particularly the way that, that we played and um, the way that we were able to win the game with some of the things that, that I mentioned previously. So, um, you know, it, it was a big, big win under, under you know, diff different in addition to difficult circumstances. Eric Walden. Quinn, as you mentioned, obviously, uh, Jokic is having an incredible season. But um, what was kind of the plan in terms of defending him with uh, Rudy Gay and, and Goat? Well, you know, I, I think he, he's not someone, you know, it, we talk about defending him and you look at 26, 21 and 11. I mean, so he, he's so difficult to guard um, because he does so many things. Um, you know, we, 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 we felt like we needed to commit, you know, two guys to him, um, you know, in a variety of ways. And, and we tried that. Um, weren't always successful with that, you know, whether he split a double team or spun away from it, um, you know, but it, at least we, you know, we made him work, um, you know, and I think as the game went on, we got better, you know, in rotations, you know, and on the weak side, um, you know, typically we, we can get, um, very accustomed, like our habits, you know, to, to Rudy protecting the rim and, and protecting cutters and, and those types of things. And, you know, in this case, sometimes that, that makes us, you know, more reluctant to, to shift and, and pull over. And I thought th that was evident, you know, the way they started the game. I mean, they, everything, they just scored in the paint. Um, and, um, you know, I, I thought as the game progressed, you know, so it, it wasn't one guy necessarily, although, as you said, you know, whether it was Doak or Rudy, Eric found himself on him a couple possessions and, you know, doing your best to, he's just, it, it's, it's impossible to guard him one-on-one. -on -one. Last question, Ben Anderson. What did you see from Rudy Gay that made him so effective, to, uh, effective tonight? Well, you know, we've we've played, you know, Rudy at the, you know, at the five, you know, at times this year, obviously out of necessity tonight, that was the situation. It's something that we've, um, you know, tried to work on, um, but but haven't had a game like this where they're, they're really, you know, we didn't have Rudy and Hassan, obviously. And, and it's a, di it's a different look. 
Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, things that, that I think we all know, his ability to pick and pop, you know, puts pressure on the defense. They began um, to rotate, you know, to him from the opposite side, which opened some things up. Um, and then, frankly, when um, after he'd hit a couple shots, they switched the matchup and, you know, then he was spaced. And, and I thought Royce did, you know, a terrific job when, you know, Jokic, they were treating Royce like the five. So I thought those two guys, you know, and our guards, you know, beginning to get a, a better feel, um, you know, find how to take advantage of matchups. You know, I, I thought that also happened with, with Boyan tonight as well, where, you know, there was some recognition and, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, ball movement and, and running and we, we want to do those things, but, but there's times when um, you, you need to be more deliberate and, and we haven't had that with that particular group. So, um, you know, meaning we haven't, we haven't been able to execute at the level that we want with those guys. And I, I think, you know, when you play more minutes a certain way, guys just, you know, they begin to figure some things out. There is Coach Quinn Snyder after his team's 10th consecutive road victory. Now let's now get to the players. Let's start things off with Doke. Hey, Doke. Uh, so first off, can you just tell us what it was like being out there again, kind of take us through the day when you found out you were going to start and uh, just what the experience was like of getting your first NBA start and going up against uh, the reigning MVP? Uh, it was great. You know, I mean, when when they first told me, I was, I don't know, I'm not gonna lie to you, I was a little nervous and stuff. You know, just coming back, coming back from injury, and you know, you got to play the joke, the MVP. So it's like, man, it was a crazy experience. But you know, the my, the team, my teammate Donovan, you know, Mike, they talked me through it. You know, they just asked me to, you know, keep my composure and um, just go out there and play my game. You know, the coaching staff did the same. So like it's, it was because I didn't even know till the life like the last minute you know it was like yeah you're gonna you're gonna be able to start tonight so for me it was you know it was a great it was a great experience you know knowing what you know dealing with the injury you know working working hard to get back and you know like if somebody had told me you know like a month when I got an injury that when you get back you're gonna be start you're gonna start you know your first game back from an injury you know I'll be pretty shocked but um you know it was it was it was great it was nice to be to actually be out there you know with the guys with the fellows and um uh, you know to get the win that was really great sir todd doug how did you how did you feel out there i know it was your first game back and you know trying to get your legs and your wind underneath you how did you feel at the end of it um i'm, I'm all right it's just you know i, I was a little sore on the ankle, you know, being that this is actually my first time going, you know, I, yesterday I kind of like, that was actually my first time going up and down the court, you know, did a little five on five. So, you know, this like my first time coming back and actually like playing, it's just like I haven't, you know, really played much basketball and practiced much with the team. And, you know, just coming back, I feel, I feel good. I feel really good. You know, I'm a, my ankle is a little sore, but, um, but I'm good. Andy Larson. First of all, Doak, when your ankle first sprained, did you think it was more significant than this, that it would take you longer than a couple months to come back? Yeah, it did. You know, I, it was it was kind of severe. Just with that kind of ankle sprain, you know, it was a lot on my mind. You know, I was it was just a lot going through my mind. 
And, um, you know, for me, I just take it one one step at, at a time. You know, I kind of like just kept rehabbing, kept working hard. Even, you know, I kind of like doing that process, you know, just ate right, lost a lot of weight, you know, and just try to like get myself ready. So when I get caught, caught up and, you know, I'll be ready and stuff. So, yeah. And then tell me about kind of the film watching process for this game, right? Like you're, instead of just playing a couple minutes, you're playing a lot of minutes against Jokic, right? So like, were you watching a ton of film before or kind of trying to figure out what he does best? I mean, tell me about that. No, no. Like I said, it was the last minute and it was right before the game started. That's when, you know, one of the coaches brought me up and was like, yeah, you're starting. So I thought at first I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like joking with me. I was like, what 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 you mean? <laughs> so but like no, it was just last minute, you know, just kind of showing me coverages and you know how to, you know, guide the joker. And you know, it wasn't like a lot of detailed fame watching. And um, you know, we're just kind of last minute and uh just me just going out there and you know, just trusting my teammates and you know, I just I thank God for everything that you know, it all worked out and we, we got the W. Follow up from Eric Walden. The Dokes, uh, just take us through how do you feel like you played tonight? Um, I mean, I, I think I, feel, uh, I did good being my first time back. You know, I'm being my first time actually playing, playing in an actual NBA game like a major minute because I don't, I don't think ever since I got drafted up, even you know, getting a minute to play in the actual NBA game. So being my first game and, you know, just coming back from injury, you know, I can't, I'm not going to beat myself about it. I think, you know, I did, I did good. You know, I feel like, you know, I, I can get better. I think I feel like, you know, it's a lot of things that I know that I can do better at, you know, and I, I feel like just take time and, you know, when given the opportunity, I feel like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably get there. There's Yudoka Azubuki, five points. He did grab a board, grabbed a steal, had a block. He was active, uh, got a little tired in those 16 minutes. He would anticipate that a little bit coming uh, off that injury, but certainly got thrown into the deep end and uh, did his best and held his own. Let's now move on to Boyan Bogdanovich. Why have you been uh, so comfortable in the last you know, few games, you know, scoring, you know, mid posts, you know, all three levels, you know, just kind of, you know, getting into, um, getting into a strong group that you're gonna. I mean, like I said before, I'm just trying to be aggressive. The the Mike and and, and Donovan are looking for me as well because they can feel it that I'm in a, in a good mood and in a great shape. Especially on the end of the third quarter, Mike was Mike was calling the play after one another for me to post to post and I saw their they point guard so so yeah I'm I mean I just feel feel great I'm I'm trying to be to be aggressive and do whatever it's take to to win the games. Eric Walden Hey Boyan obviously kind of weird circumstances with no Rudy Gobert and no Hassan available. Uh what did you see out of the minutes tonight from Doke from Rudy Gay from Eric Pascal uh playing center against uh Jokic? I mean, big big minutes from from Doug. His his first start, I, I guess, with uh, against MVP. So he was he was really really ready and, and and focused. He gave us great minutes. I don't know how he played probably 15, 20 minutes. So so great minutes for him. Rudy is big. He's been big time for us whole season. Just 
just his versatility, both offensively and and and, and kind of defensively. I mean, and offensively, bringing their their big subs, so sour point guards and uh, and the ball handlers got a more more space to 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 attack them. So it's both of them did a great job. Sarah Todd. Boyan, how, how big does this win feel considering that you guys were shorthanded and that, you know, you, you had to really adapt to some weird circumstances today? I mean, big, big win for us. They are playing great on a, on the road. Like you mentioned, we, we played without two bigs and, and Joe that is, that is primary ball handler of the, of the bench for us. But, uh, like I said, we did a great job. We controlled the, controlled the boards and, and, and we control our turnovers. I think that is the, probably the fewest turnovers that we had, a uh, whole season. I think we had less than, less than 10. So just taking the care, taking care of the balls and then a lot of, 50 50 balls that there were around the floor they were all all hours so i think that that was the that was the big tonight andy larson two questions for you Boyan. first um how is it's the mood around the team different now that joe's tested positive for covid and you guys finally have someone in protocols I mean, we are all sorry for for Joe that he's stuck right now here or or, or wherever. But uh, but that's what it is. I mean, we did a great great job as a team. We were the only team in a in the league that didn't have any any cases. So I hope that it that Joe is gonna stay stay kind of the only only case right here. But uh, but that's what it is. You cannot you cannot control it. I mean, we have to we have to adapt it. Whoever whoever is out with a COVID or, or injuries and then and, and try to play our game. And then second, I have to ask, uh, you are the jazz resident RSL fan. So they have the news that Ryan Smith is the part owner of them along with David Blitzer. Curious, uh, how do you feel about that? And then also, you know, you and Demir are like kind of coworkers now, I guess in some ways, but what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, it's it's great for uh, for the city that that they got uh, that they got got Ryan over there that is really really trying to do something big for the for both us and and now for the for RSL and it's also great for the for all their team because now they have owner finally they're gonna be able to sign to sign the players because they were kind of in uh, in bad bad position with a uh, with a kind of league owning owning the the team so. Congratulations to Ryan for the for having another team in Salt Lake. There's Bogdanovich, season high 36 points, season high 13 rebounds, four assists as well, and had just a terrific game. Let's wrap things up now with Rudy Gay. Hey Rudy, so obviously kind of a weird situation tonight with no Rudy Gobert, no Hassan. Um, you wound up having to play a lot of minutes at the five, including some against like real legitimate vibes. What was the experience kind of like tonight having to kind of expand your role like that? Um, I guess that's what it's come to in my career. <laughs> you know, I was talking to Zach Zarba, the, the referee, and I was like, man, I came in this league as a shooting guard. Now, now I'm a center. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, that's just the thing about teams. Like, when you want to win, you have to have somebody step up and do some things that they're not comfortable with. And, um, you know, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and try to make as much plays, do as much as you can in whatever, whatever position or whatever role you have. So, you know, I just wanted to get this win. That's all it's about. Sarah Todd. 
Rudy, that um, there were guys tonight like Doke. He had to come in at his you know first game back from a pretty bad injury, and he starts and he's playing against Nikola Jokic. Uh, Eric has been out for a few days because he was with his family, and he comes back and he's got to play a pretty extended role and step up because you guys are shorthanded. What can you say about kind of down the line the different ways that guys came in and, and contributed tonight? It just goes to show how deep our team is and um, how many different things you know are, are you know people can do on this team. You know we. You know, I played the center. Dope started. Um, EP just came from, you know, having his son. Congratulations to him, by the way. Um, you know, everybody stepped up. You know, uh, Bogey stepped up. You know, Royce played great. We just played good basketball. We moved the ball around and played with each other. And, um, you know, this is so unique how deep this team can be. So it is, excuse me. Andy Larson. Yeah, I'm just curious, like what it's like physically to play against Nikola Jokic, given how big and big he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's 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 the MVP for a reason. <laughs> Let's just say that he's really good, man. He's uh, you know, um, you know, he's he's changed the game for, for bigs. You know, he does everything, and um. You know, we gave him a lot of respect as he deserves. And, um, you know, he still had a pretty good game. But, you know, the biggest part is, you know, trying to limit him to easy stuff and, and, and make other people hear this. And uh, our game plan worked. Okay, last one, follow-up from Sarah Todd. Considering what you just said about, about Jokic, how do you think that Doke did tonight? I think he did pretty good. Um you know, I don't think people understand how how, how big Doke is, but he's a pretty big guy too. And you know, and his job today was make it hard for for for, for Jokic, and um, you know, he did that. He went out there and did his job, and and, and contributed to a win today. There's Rudy Gay. Uh, Rudy had 18 points, seven rebounds. He had uh, an assist, a steal, a couple of blocks as well as uh, Rudy was a plus 14 coming in off the bench. The Jazz now will try to make it 11 in a row on the road. Coming up tomorrow night, they're going to be in uh, Toronto to take on the Raptors. The game will tip off at 5.30. Pre-game coverage begins at 4.30. There's the best of the post-game show. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines, including more on the Jazz win, doing it shorthanded without Joe Ingles, without Rudy Gobert, without Hassan Whiteside. Get to all of that coming up and everything else in the NBA as well. The Warriors, 82 points. Wow. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.